values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Baby Jesus, born in a stable, a humble Savior's birth. You left your throne in heaven above to live here on the earth. Merry Christmas from the Mike Broomhead Show. Happy Hanukkah, happy holidays. We are thrilled that you've joined us for part of your day as we move closer and closer to Christmas, my favorite time of year. A little kinder, a little more uh, aware of the blessings in our life. It's just my favorite. I wish we could behave toward each other like this all year long. I love this Christmas season, so Merry Christmas. Um, one of the uh, frequent topics that I talk about that I've become very passionate about, which is uh, somewhat ironic and some might say hypocritical based on my youth, uh, education has become a big topic for me because um, it took me a long time just to decide I was going to buckle down and learn something. And uh, when I did it, I had the skills. Um, at a young age, I learned to read and I learned to read very well. And, and I never, uh, you know, you do things like that. You never say, thank God I had that skill set until one day it hits you. And I think that's the importance for very young people is that we make sure they have the skill set so when they are old enough to make a decision for themselves, even if they've made bad decisions at other times in their lives, they have the skill set to climb out of the hole that they're in. Here is a statistic, and I've been reading from this story, and the more I read about it, the sadder it gets for me. One-fifth of American adults struggle to read. So um, here it is uh, in a storefront on Main Street in, um, in Mississippi – in a fading mill town of Gloucester, there are 80-year-old Lily Jackson helps people read their mail. Here's the quote. They can't comprehend their bills. So many of them are ashamed that they haven't finished grade school. Um, that's the only reason I really stay open. She wants to retire, but she's continuing. These are to help adults learn to read. In the, green tea, in the green tree lumber mill where dozens of residents uh, cut southern yellow pine into boards, but supervisors who must be able to page through the machine guides for, and safety manuals says we're going to have demand for jobs and no people to supply them. Um, in a local high school in a district where a fifth of students, 20 percent drop out, one of the highest rates in the state. And this is just talking about parts of Mississippi where a third, one third of adults struggle to read. This is setting people up for a lifetime of failure. Uh, I talk so much about education because of this. There are so many. You, these are hardworking people. These are men and women that are proud people. They're ashamed of the fact that they can't read, which they should not be, by the way. But they are. They feel as adults they should be. You know, they don't want to tell people you're not able to read. It's not something you want to admit to people. But you're talking about proud, hardworking people that are working at jobs but can't comprehend their bills. And and we are. We as a society are letting people down, um, diminishing the standards, lowering the standards, watering down education at a younger age to push kids through a system, this is what you get in adulthood. And we also know that when they say, well, it's in poorer communities this happens. So I'm gonna, I want to wrestle with something for a moment. Is it that it's poorer neighborhoods and that's why the reading results are that way? Or are they poorer neighborhoods because the reading results are that way? And are you seeing adults that are a product of communities where they're not getting a proper education? And I'm not talking about valedictorians of the class or people that are college bound. I'm talking about people that have a basic skill set. Uh, I've talked – I'll mix a couple of topics here. I've talked about my love for immigrants to this country. My best friend growing up, his name is Adam. 
And I've actually had him on the show in the wake of Hurricane Ian. Um, Adam's parents are both from Mexico. His mother has passed away. His father is still alive. Um, his dad was such an inspiration to me. He was a very successful businessman in the agriculture industry. I've told you before, I worked in the migrant fields for a couple of summers. We would go out and when they would, tomatoes would get picked, we would uh, dump them into the bins and give them the tokens that they cashed in at the end of the day to get paid. We worked in the packing houses that his father owned that were the machines that would sort the tomatoes into sizes. We would call out the bad ones. They would clean the tomatoes, box them according to size. We'd get inspected by the Department of Agriculture and ship them off to grocery stores. And I spent summers working in these conditions. But his father had a very little education but spoke English and Spanish fluently, and he could do simple math in order to run a business. He could read and write in two languages. So he was a good reader, and he could perform simple math skills. And with dedication to detail coming here as an immigrant, hard work, he turned into a business owner that's been immensely successful. He's owned a car lot in our hometown and other businesses and properties, and he's become very successful because he had that work ethic, but he had a basic skill set and education so that he could navigate the system himself. I guarantee you in this story that I just told you, in the mills and in the places people are working that are not equipped to do that, they They've got the same kind of work ethic and skill set in order to become very successful people, work and dedication and everything else. What they don't have is the education level, the reading skills and the math skills to become leaders. That's shameful. We all should be ashamed of that. As adults, we're supposed to make sure our children understand that they don't have to understand it. They just have to do what they're told. That at a young age, you have to look at reading as a skill that you must master. And we don't do that. We are not doing that. So my fight when it comes to the other curriculums that are out there, I don't care if you call it critical race theory or you call it social emotional learning, whatever you call these things. I don't care what you call them. It is not negative against them, not denigrating to them. But if it isn't laser focused on giving elementary school children the very basic needs they have in education so that when they start making wise decisions, listen, there are a lot of really good kids out there, smart kids kids that you know live in a home where the discipline lives out and they make really good decisions and they end up as college graduates and that's a fantastic but there are a lot of kids out there that are going to lose their way there are a lot of kids out there they're going to make mistakes you may have one of your own that are smart kids and that's that that is so devastating to a parent to say man my child is so talented my child is so capable but he or she just isn't hitting the mark I don't know what they're doing. They're floundering. If they've got a basic skill level, if they can read, if they can perform math skills, they can pick up and move on with their lives at any time. I'm living proof of that. 18 years old, I turned a corner when I started working. By 19 years old, I realized that being an electrician was what I wanted to do for a career. By 24 years old, six years later, I was the manager of a small contracting company on Sanibel Island on Florida. Now, there weren't a lot of guys working there. It wasn't like I was running a big shop, but I was in management in six years. Came to Arizona, went worked from the field into management, and from management, I went into my home uh, business ownership. None of that would have been possible for me if I had been one of these statistics that didn't have the basic skills at a young age. Period. End of story. And when we look at stories like this, as a society, we have got to decide what direction we're going with education. 
are we going to fight and 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 scream at each other about these other things that, do, that take more attention and more money in the classroom and more training for teachers that move away from the basics or are we going to buckle down are we as a society going to say until we have children in Arizona let's take care of our state first until the children in Arizona are leaving third grade reading at a third grade level and leaving eighth grade with math skills at an eighth grade level we are not we are not going to focus on anything else and if we don't do that we are going to have a generation of people that are doing the exact same thing we're seeing here i think it's shameful in a moment officers in one major city are leaving the big city life moving to smaller towns for better pay we'll talk about conditions in major city policing including ours coming up in just one moment Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays from the Mike Broomhead Show. If you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, you can do it now. It's very simple to do on your iPhone or Android. Never miss a minute of the show again. The Mike Broomhead Show podcast this week brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. It's higherprice.com. I love this song. Such a beautiful, beautiful Christmas song. Hope your holiday plans uh, are great ones. We've so much to get to before we close it out today. Um, the topic of officers. I want to give you a couple of statistics. We're going to talk about some major cities, but let's talk about some of the smaller cities beginning here in Arizona. In 11 months, the Queen Creek Police Department answered 25,000 calls for service. That is a huge number for a small town. Uh, the Phoenix Police Department is still dramatically understaffed. Uh, what can they do to catch up with the numbers that they need? And this is a problem that goes way back. It's not going to be an over, overnight solution with the interim police chief now dealing with the investigation that's going on from the Department of Justice and other things that have happened, but that's not what drives officers away from the profession. I, I brought up, I brought a story here, and, I, and the tease of it was their major city having officers leave, and here's the headline. NYPD officers leave in droves for better pay in smaller towns. So the, uh, the chief, Dan Oates, was 50 officers short of patrol in Aurora, a city of roughly 400,000 people just east of Denver. But he knew limiting his search to Colorado would not be enough. Like many other leaders in law enforcement, he found that fewer people these days want to be cops. So the chief and his team began seeking recruits at agencies where they believe pay and morale were low. They settled on New York City, and in August, he flew about 1,800 miles to meet with New York Police Department officers. He convinced 14 of them to move out west. So uh, I, I say this because I don't know what Phoenix is doing about recruiting. That might be a, a, a good thing for them to do as well, and I'm sure they're working very hard at it. But as a Phoenician uh, myself, it is sad for me to see that policing has become what it's become. The officers are still, I believe, of very high character and quality. I think they still do fantastic work, but response times have gone up. The stress of the job goes up. The danger of the job goes up when you don't have enough people to fill positions. We all understand that principle. And when you look at the a massive growth around the state of Arizona, think about this. If you are a Phoenix police officer and you're dealing with nonsense all the time and then some Somebody in Buckeye says, hey, listen, we want you to come out here and be a part of our leadership. We want you to teach some of the officers out here 
the tactics and what it's like to patrol and be an officer in a big city. Or Surprise, or Avondale, or any of the growing, and then you go out east, like Queen Creek, Gilbert, um, Chandler. You go to some of these other places, and you say, listen, we, we need you. This is what's tough. Yes, you are taking from somebody else's supply for yourself, but that's business. If officers are happy where they are, like in any other profession, they're not going to be cherry-picked into other agencies. But how do we get, this is such a destination. It's fascinating that we are seeing a lot of job openings that are available in Arizona because of the immense growth of the business community. Police departments that are short-staffed, what are we doing? And now here's some good news when it comes to public safety. Um, Phoenix Phoenix to spend $7.8 million hiring new firefighters amid population growth. We talked to Phoenix Fire not too long ago, and we talked with them about their problems in keeping or having enough firefighters and the response times. And much, much like an increase in response time with PD, it is dangerous when it's fires as well. I spoke. I speak so much about the Phoenix Police Department, not just Phoenix PD, but DPS and other agencies across the valley where I know, I've met people and I have a little bit more of an invested uh, knowledge of what they do in that specific agency. And I never want to overlook fire. I mean, what they do when it comes to medical rescue, when it comes to uh, firefighting, it's an amazing job. It is a difficult job. It's dangerous. When it gets dangerous there, it is really dangerous, and we understand that. And we don't have enough firefighters. And when I talk with them about response times going up, and you hear statistics about I think it's – and I, again, this is a, a very, very uh, layman's terms. But what I've heard is that a fire doubles in size every minute. So every delayed minute in response time because they are understaffed or under-equipped is dangerous for the homeowner or the business owner, and uh, whether it's a medical emergency or it's a fire emergency. So getting enough people into the fire department, getting qualified candidates to take those jobs makes us a better place to live. We pay a lot in taxes in, in our cities where we live, all of us. I'm not talking about just in Phoenix. We all pay a lot of money in taxes, and everybody we hear that runs for office says public safety first, right? Public safety first. They all seek out and they run out and try to get the endorsements of public safety so that they want to get their endorsement and helps get them elected to office. Well, then if public safety first is on your campaign sign, public safety first should be in your budget. They should be fully funded. They should be fully equipped. They should be fully staffed to make sure that the people of the city are safe and that they are safe in doing their jobs because they're safety in numbers. It's something we all should focus on, and I hope we will. In a moment, the Senate passes the NDAA, a defense spending bill. I'm going to tell you what's in it and why this is important coming up in just a few moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, happy Friday. We appreciate you spending some time with the show. Um, A bill passed in the United States Senate, 83 to 11. It's the NDAA. It is the defense spending bill. Um, It was named for outgoing Senate Armed Services Committee ranking member James Inhofe from Oklahoma. Allocates $860 billion to the Department of Defense and $30 billion to the Department of Energy. So here are some of the things that are in it. But one of the big things that is uh, is very interesting is it has eliminated the Department of Defense's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Roughly 3,400 service members have been discharged 
for refusing the shot. Defense Secretary announced this mandate in 2021. The bill does not. It does not reinstate those service members. And an amendment to doing so was proposed by Ron Johnson, a Republican from Wisconsin, and by Ted Cruz from Texas. But it didn't happen. So, But the good news is that there will not be a vaccine mandate in the NDAA. We're going to talk more about um, the uh, about the vaccine and stuff as time goes on. But again, mandating a vaccine, I, 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 I talked about I've been vaccinated and boosted. I've told the story many times, uh, but I defend the people that didn't want to get the shot. You can't force people to get the shot. This was such an interesting dichotomy. If it had been covered differently by people, if it had been spoken about and two uh, people's talked to each other differently, it would have had a different outcome. But it is odd that it was the vaccine was developed under former President Trump. And then it was Trump supporters that were blamed for killing people because they weren't getting vaccinated. So the rhetoric was ramped up to a fever pitch very early on in all of this. And um, when it comes to service members in New York City, the police department, how many cops here? I've talked. I had a firefighter on the air here from the Salt River Fire Department who was who lost his job he started out as a volunteer and i think he said it was somewhere near 20 years experience by the time he was let go because he refused to get a vaccine so what ended up happening was lost his job with that fire agency but was picked up by another one the idea that we're going to take these public servants the heroes in our community whether they're wearing a military uniform a police uniform or a fire uniform when they are out there patrolling our streets and picking up people that are in danger and are ill and sick and fighting fires or they're fighting wars and we're going to tell them you must get this vaccine or you're out they should have been reinstated those troops should have been reinstated the idea that you're going to force someone to put something in their body that way is absolutely ludicrous and this is coming from someone that got vaccinated and boosted I did all, everything I was supposed to do. And what's interesting about this is the conversation has ended and the why you want to know why the policy shift is happening. I do the numbers still every week. Every Wednesday, the Arizona Department of Health Services puts out new COVID numbers. The COVID numbers right now are pretty high. As a matter of fact, very quickly, let me tell you what's happening with COVID-19. Last week, there were 107 deaths in, in, in the state of Arizona. Now, what's interesting, again, is that 88 of the 107 are people over the age of 65. There are a lot of people have been there have been a high number of hospitalizations. There's a 17 percent passage rate when it comes to testing. A ton of people tested positive. Eleven thousand five hundred fifty people tested positive for covid out of sixty seven thousand tests. It was a 17 percent positive test rate. There are over fifteen hundred and sixty new hospitalizations recorded in Arizona. So we are seeing a high rate of spread with covid-19. Why are we not talking about vaccine mandates anymore? Why are we not doing that? Well, because the data has come out. We are also finding out that we weren't necessarily told the truth about some of these things. And so people have to make a choice. And for me, the right choice at the time, because of the public life I live and the people I interact with, that I wanted to be able to say to groups of people when I went and spoke there, if they were concerned, that yes, I had been vaccinated and boosted. I've never gotten a flu shot. Never in my life have I gotten the flu shot. But I got the COVID-19 vaccine and I got boosted. Now, based on what I know now, would I do it again? Am I going to get boosted again? I don't think so. 
But again, it's my choice. And defending people that made their choice, especially people we consider to be heroes in our community. It is absolutely ludicrous because what you do is you take the anti-vaxxers and you take the people that don't want the vaccine and you do what I say you do to people all the time when you want to get rid of them. First, you marginalize them. Then you call them dangerous. First, you call them crazy. You show them to be nutcases. Then you call them dangerous, and that's exactly what they did, except you, you're, you're talking about soldiers and I should say mem- troops, members of our military, not just soldiers, but members of our military. You're talking about police officers, and you're talking about firefighters. Now all of a sudden – and I will tell you, let me give you another group. I know a lot of people that work in the medical field, whether they work in a clinic, a doctor's office, or emergency room in a hospital. I know a lot of people that refuse to get the vaccine. Are they the anti vax crowd you're talking about? Are they the crazies that are killing people? These are people that are committed to saving people's lives. Why weren't they focused on? Instead of trying to find someone that believes that that the remedy is, you know, some kind of sap from a tree in Africa or whatever it is, or going after people that thought ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were effective treatments, by the way, opinions on that have changed dramatically, haven't they? And I'm not talking about opinions by people in general. I'm talking about medical experts. The narrative on social media was anybody who used the words ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, you were uh, you were a witch doctor. You are out of your mind. What is wrong with you? That's an animal medicine. And that was the narrative that went on over and over and over again. And then what they do is they call them dangerous. You're killing people. You should lose your job. You should lose your children. Well, that included cops and firefighters and troops. Should they have lost their jobs at a time when hospitals were being overwhelmed and and the need for medical staff, whether it's nurses or doctors or medical assistants, whatever it is, should they have lost their jobs because they weren't vaccinated? This is a ridiculous conversation. And here we are talking about a national defense bill. And isn't it interesting that not a big deal. They dropped the vaccine mandate. Why would they do that? Why would they drop the mandate? The numbers are high. The numbers are high right now. Flu and COVID-19 numbers are high right now. So data changes. You want to say people were doing their best. Well, when do you, why don't you reinstate the people you fired because of this? Why don't you make it right with them? At least offer them their jobs back, especially since the military isn't meeting their recruiting goals. This is the kind of political nonsense that goes on that we never get past. It seems to me to be a no-brainer with the shortage of police officers nationwide, the shortage of firefighters, and the shortage of troops. If those people lost their jobs and still aren't working, the offer to bring them back now and say, we're sorry, we shouldn't have mandated this. Will you come back to work? That offer should be on the table for all of them. But it's not. It's a political nightmare. I just think think it's idiotic. All right. Uh, You're going to hear this in a few moments. The former president of the United States, President Trump, uh, made an announcement, said he had a big announcement because the nation or the world needs a superhero. What his announcement was is what I want you to hear. And I want to see if you agree with the former president, whether you're a supporter of the president or not, but especially if you are a very big supporter of President Trump. I want you to hear his announcement, at least the beginning of it. And I want you to ask yourself, do you agree with him? We're going to do that coming up here in just a moment. 
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Bloomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Run, run, Rudolph. Randolph ain't too far behind. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah from the Mike Broomhead Show. Love this time of year. Thanks for spending part of your Friday with us. Um, I've been pretty clear about this. I voted for Donald Trump twice. I thought he was a much better candidate. Turns out I was right. He was much better, in my opinion, than Joe Biden. Um, In spite of all of the things that people don't like that he does, in spite of that, the policies of the Trump administration, I agreed with many, many of them. I didn't agree with a lot of the things he said or how he said them. That aside, I still thought he was a better choice than Joe Biden, and I thought he was a better choice than Hillary Clinton. That was my personal opinion on that. But I'm also someone that looks at everything. I don't agree with any – I've been very critical of the former president and going after John McCain when he was alive saying that I like people that weren't captured. I do a ton of work with veteran organizations, and a big part of that is POWs and MIAs and the – the respect we that that the when I say we the people that work in the veteran community, but veterans themselves in the military, there are a few groups of people that garner out just the utmost respect. Congressional Medal Medal of Honor recipients, the Navajo Code Talkers, and POWs and MIAs. That those groups garner so much respect from their fellow veteran community. When you say I like people that weren't captured in an offhanded joke, I didn't like it. I thought it was bad after McCain died to continue to go after someone who had passed away was just the wrong thing to do. But now there's this. I I want you to hear the former president when he made his his uh, big announcement. This was the big announcement because the world needs a superhero. What he's selling are NFTs. But what he says, I want to know if you agree with it. Hello, everyone. This is Donald Trump. Hopefully your favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln, better than Washington, with an important announcement to make. I'm doing my first official Donald J. Trump NFT collection right here and right now. They're called Trump Digital Trading Cards. (laughs) These cards feature some of the really incredible artwork pertaining to my life and my career. It's been very exciting. You can collect your Trump Digital Cards just like a baseball card or other collectibles. Come on. I mean, let's just let's better than Washington and Lincoln. Okay, let's let's do this. In my opinion, one of the best presidents of the 20th century was Ronald Reagan. And I think there is a great argument to be made for that, that he was one of the great presidents of the 20th century and the debate about how great exactly should happen. But if Ronald Reagan himself ever stood up and said, I am the best, the greatest president of the 20th century. Again, that's like that's like a police officer standing up and calling himself a hero or a firefighter calling themselves a hero. The former president said better than Lincoln better than Washington. So I know there are a lot of people out there that are diehard Trump supporters. How many of you heard this announcement or saw this and thought, ooh, because that's that's what the first thing I did when I saw that was go, ooh, you just said you were better than Lincoln and Washington. This is where I, I, when you can't get out of your own way sometimes, and this is the problem. And this is why there are so many Republicans that have shrugged their shoulders and said, listen, it's time to move in a different direction. 
And it's almost I, I don't understand how anyone I, now I've always known we all we know. Listen, if you're a billionaire, if you're a billionaire or if you are a superstar athlete, you have to have a big ego. I will tell you even this. I have to have a big ego. I need to be put in check a lot of times and I'm surrounded by people that will do it. You know, to come on the air every day for four hours and think that I have something to say that a multitude of people want to listen to, it it takes an ego to do that, to be able to say, I think people want to hear. I have something to say, and I want you to listen, and I think you want to hear what I have to say. But if I came on the air and I said, hey, good morning, everyone. It's Mike Broomhead, your favorite radio host, bigger than Rush Limbaugh. What in the world do you think would happen next? Better than Rush Limbaugh. Better than Paul Harvey. How about if I do that? Let's give the two the two guys on Mount Rushmore of talk radio. You, you would say, first of all, that's for us to decide, not you. And that I, I just don't I don't understand what went into this announcement. And I don't understand. I mean, I understand making money. I got no problem with making money. If, if I could sell trading cards, if I could sell NFT trading cards of my life, I would do that in a heartbeat. But the idea that you're going to say, I've got a big announcement coming because the world needs a superhero and then compare yourself to Lincoln in Washington, I just think it goes too far. If you if you don't allow history to judge you instead of you telling people how great you are, that's where the problem is. There was a uh, um, who was it that. uh Oh, I'm trying to think of which baseball player it was. He he broke the stolen base record. Um, and uh, who was it? Yeah. Rick, Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson. And he said, I am now the greatest of all time. So I thought, well, there's humility for you. Ricky Henderson. That was hilarious. And this is, I don't know. I'm anxious. I want to know. I, see, I genuinely want to know from diehard Trump supporters if you don't think that this went too far. That you didn't hear this and say, really? Lincoln in Washington? Superhero? Okay. And I think that's where so many people have said, all right, that's too much. Time to move in a different direction. There's a reason why Ron DeSantis is winning in so many polls. Uh, And I'm anxious. I I truly am anxious to see how people um, feel about this moving forward. Just after 11 o'clock, the reality of inflation and a new thing from Zero Hedge and what might be happening at Goldman Sachs. When Goldman does this, it's a big deal. We'll talk about Goldman and what may be happening, the economy, what the stock market is doing, why it's happening, and the reality for the Common working American. We'll get to it in a moment.